The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everyone, this is Russell Cox, editor of the Municipal Association of South Carolina's Uptown Publication, and we are talking the night before Hometown Legislative Action Day 2022. And tomorrow during HLAD, we will be hearing from Matt Lehrman, co-founder and managing director of Social Prosperity Partners. As I understand, uh, he has amassed a wealth of experience facilitating all kinds of planning meetings and public input sessions for city and town governments, as well as businesses, nonprofit groups. And uh, at HLAD, we'll be talking with our meeting attendees about the process of moving from conflict to a productive conversation. Matt, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. We also have joining us one of our most regular podcast guests, Scott Slatton, Director of Advocacy and Communications for the Municipal Association. Hello, Russell. Glad to be back. Appreciate you uh, bringing me on without Casey. How about that? I know. She's going to be angry, but yeah, uh, she's 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 going to wonder why she isn't. She'll why let me she know. We here. won't we won't tell her about this uh, podcast until she hears it for herself, right? If yes. she listens, she may not even she, listen to her she, own podcast. Well, the ones where she's not in it. <laughs> That's uh, right. So. The the, municip- the Municipal Association has decided to have these ongoing discussions about incivility, in our case, in local government. and But as we have seen, this has been a concern not only at the level of municipalities, at other levels of government, other levels of public life. So to, def- to define the scope, what is it we are talking about here with in civility and public life. Well, I think, Russell, what I'll, I'll introduce it by way of saying that the association's board of directors at its uh, planning retreat last fall identified uh, the promotion of uh, civility and better relations within our communities as a priority for uh, the association in 2022. But of course, this is going to be an ongoing effort uh, that the association board and, of course, the staff will will be undertaking uh, in the long term, uh, I think that uh, this is not the, the problems that we're facing uh, in local government with regard to the, the inability to have uh, conversations at some levels in a uh, in a civil way, in a in a respective way uh, is not a short term uh, is it not a short term fix. There's no short term solution to it. So uh, to that end, uh, we invited Matt to, to join us at HLAD and speak to our uh, larger audience tomorrow. Of course, we know that this particular podcast, it, its reach is not as large as what, Matt, you'll see tomorrow, but we're growing it. Um, so, uh, you know, this, among the uh, many things that we'll be doing doing over the next year or two, uh, and this is just the beginning, so we're excited to have Matt and uh, happy that that you were able to join us for this conversation today, Matt. I'm really glad to be here. And this is a conversation that's going on all over the country right now. And like you said, at every level of government, I mean, the what you called incivility is happening everywhere. And the question is, what exactly is incivility? I mean, are, are people thinking that incivility is simply saying please and thank you and being courteous to each right. other? I think it's a bit more than that. And I'm curious if you have a, if you have a thought here as to uh, how you all define it? Well, of course, being in the South, we were all raised to uh, be polite to to one another and uh, use good manners. Please, thank you. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, 
Um, but that seems to have been lost uh, at, at the local level for sure. And we've seen lots of examples of it, maybe not necessarily at the, it's in city government or, or town government yet, but certainly there are lots of local elected bodies or public officials across the state who are finding this, uh, this becoming a more and more pervasive problem. Uh, we just had a, a, an incident recently here with one of our school boards uh, where there was a, a, a confrontation among officials and members of the public uh, that had been growing. Uh, this was not a this was not a, a sudden event that took place. This was the the in my view was the the uh, the the topping off of a long running problem between these two these two groups. So uh, I think it's it's a lack of respect. Matt is how I view it right now. Um, our executive director Todd Glover gives a great example talking about masks, for instance. Um, you know, the fight over masks, he, he likens to this. If, if, if you invite him to your home and your policy in your house is that you don't wear shoes in the house and he comes to your house, then he has two choices. He can respect your wishes to not wear shoes in the house or he can leave. Uh, and, you know, we view it similarly, at least I do anyway, when it comes to the mask debate, it's just a lack of respect. I think that's what we're talking about ultimately uh, in a lot of cases. Yeah. So I will say I, I agree with you completely, right? Civility starts with basic courtesy, right? Basic respect for other people. Um, what I'm going to talk about tomorrow and uh, and we'll go into some real depth on is to think of civility at some other altitudes as well, because there's also a, um, a civility that has to do with personal skills. How do we deal with people who have whatever attitudes they bring to us. And I'll, I'll use the example in my presentation tomorrow. If someone comes to us and they, they have an emotion connected to wearing a mask and that connection is anger, then how do we respond to that person respectfully without making them more angry, without fighting them? If they feel disgusted, how do we deal with that? If they feel fearful because they've got people at home who are at risk and they're limiting their exposure and they're just trying to, how do we respond to that? So I will list, I think, seven or eight different emotions that people might come into our city hall, our town hall, behind their mask, feeling any of these ways. And how do we train our staff to recognize and respond in a productive way? I'll give you the example. If someone comes in and they're disgusted and they, I can't believe you're forcing us to wear a mask. What do we do? We channel that. We give them a place to express it, not to fight them, but here's a phone number you can call. Here's the person to talk to. Here's the email address to right. go to. We understand that you are unhappy with this. This is the productive way to go and register that. That is a sign of respect. So one of these things that I'm going to talk about is the skills. The other altitude I'm going to talk about is um, 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 structure. What is the structure that we put into local government to allow people to have meaningful conversations together that doesn't force us into an us-them relationship where people come and they want to yell at the mayor and the, and the council members yep. because they, they feel unheard, they feel disrespected, which, look, we have an adversarial form of government. We are allowed to petition our government, and we are allowed to be angry if our government is not listening to us. We are allowed to. I'm not saying we can't do that. But there are structures that we can put in place where it's not an us-them. 
It's where we bring citizens together. We bring residents together to talk amongst themselves, to share ideas, to share aspirations. And something magical happens when we go from a vertical us-them to a horizontal focus on togetherness. Now we're all talking about, well, what do you aspire to for the future? And when we do that, a lot of that emotion drains out because it becomes a productive conversation. And I don't want to give away, I don't want you to, to to give away too much of your talk, although we you know this podcast won't come out I mean, until after after you're yes. giving your talk. But you know, what what do we do for those folks who just refuse to want to participate in a meaningful way like that? I mean, it, it, it's if it's one-sided participation, how should um, how should how should that be handled? Uh, if, if someone just says, no, I don't, I don't want to be a part of the solution. Right. If, some, if a resident in a community sure. just doesn't want to engage. Or and, a count, another council member, for that matter. Okay. So this question has come up in a lot of cities, and, and I'm really thrilled to be with you here in South Carolina. I will tell you, this fall, I did the same presentation in North Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. And the same themes are resonating everywhere. And one of the things I heard was, yes, not only do we have residents who don't want to engage, we have council members who don't want to engage. One state said uh, that in their cities, they have council members who are refusing to even get email addresses so that they shouldn't have to receive these kinds of communications from their residents. And it's not for me. I don't have a magic turnkey answer. I put the question back to mayors and council members and city managers. The best answer I've heard so far was elevate the conversation first to a question of values. What are the things that we embrace as a community? And, and I'm, not here, I'm, I'm not here to say what it has to be. Every community should be able to put out what its values sure. are. But if those values include collaboration or togetherness or communication or responsiveness, and if the members of the council have embraced that as the values, then everything else becomes, are we living up to our values? And, you know, one of the things that we've done as an association over the years is facilitate uh, planning retreats, uh, collabor collaborative retreats amongst council members, amongst city councils and town councils. Our field services managers, uh, Charlie Barano and Jeff Shacker, do a great job at that. And we've found that that has been a very effective tool is bringing those, those council members who may be antagonistic to one another bringing them together and making sure that everyone has a voice and is heard and feels as though they're, they've been heard. And then it, 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 I think that it has made a, a great difference in the way some of our cities have moved forward after being conflicted for a long time. I'll give you a really good example. I told you before we started recording that I have my own podcast that I launched last summer. It's called Tell Me More. It's on Apple and all the other platforms. It's called Tell Me More dot 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 is the easiest way to find it. Last week I posted an episode where we talked about the nature of fear. The topic's called Fear Itself. And I brought three guests on. One is a business executive with a, uh, an interest in neuroscience. I brought in a family therapist, and I brought in a military person in cyber warfare. Uh, and we, the, three of, the four of us together talked about fear. It was the family therapist who made the observation. He says, you know, if I, was, if I had a couple and they had irreconcilable differences. What usually is the cause is when one partner looks at the other and says, that person is no longer looking out for my best interests. They're only in it for themselves. Mm. That's the root of a broken trust. That's the root of fear that people become defensive and they can't work 
with each other. Right. In municipal government, the biggest responsibility, the biggest responsibility we have is to make sure that our residents and our citizens understand that we may disagree on how to get there, but we are there should be no question that we are all looking for what's the best interest of our community. I, I, I think you're exactly right. Um, but then I'll, I'll I'll go back I'm, and I describe myself and you're going to you're going to laugh and really be disappointed to hear this. But I describe myself as a as a as the cynical pessimist in our office. <laughs> so, right? But I'm a lobbyist. You're a former lobbyist. So uh, you can you can relate to that. But um, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but what happens when if if certain members of the council or certain members of the community don't share those same values, right? Uh, I mean, can it, can we reconcile? Can we get to a point to where we can move forward together? So again, I'm a, I'm not here as an idealist. Sure. But I'm definitely not a cynical pessimist. So <laughs> I, I am an idealistic, positive person. So I, I right. will own that. Right. You and I will have to. Have we'll have a, great dinner conversations tonight. We will indeed. For sure. But the, um, <laughs> but, but the answer is we have to sit down and have a conversation. It's, it's in, in all of my facilitation, I have never found a group of people that couldn't find something to agree on. It might be one word or one concept out of everything. Right. But if we can find the one thing that we agree on, we can build on that. And that's all that we're going to do. And sometimes even that is painful and it takes time. Sure. But people were elected to council. They might have been elected for different policy positions to represent different constituencies. There's a lot of good reasons why a council would be diverse. But what what it once elected, it is the responsibility of those elected to find the areas of common ground where they can move their community forward. Sure. And of course, uh, you know, this conversation, I, I don't want us to discount the fact that the that residents and voters observe this behavior and react accordingly and decide to put the put those council members or house members or senators back into office or not depending on whether or not they perceive or see them moving the city or the town or the state for that matter forward so that's uh, that's that's something i don't think that um, we i don't think we russell uh, give enough weight to that end of the bargain sometimes but um Good to see about. Yeah. Yeah. What else can you tell us? What's something that you can give us as a takeaway, Matt, uh, from maybe not perhaps your talk tomorrow, but uh, what's some words of wisdom that you can share with us to to go forward and uh, and 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 get better at maintaining and continuing to build relationships? You know, I will tell you my favorite quote, and it's not mine. It's uh, from Mr. Rogers. And the full quote, which I'll, I'll say in my presentation tomorrow, is um, uh, uh, if it's human, it's mentionable. And if it's mentionable, it's manageable. I love the idea that we can sit down, we can name the difficult things. We have a responsibility to name the difficult things, and then we can do something about it. So my, my company is called Social Prosperity Partners. The whole idea of social prosperity as, 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 as my partner and I think about it is that where people come to get, where people work together courageously, their potential is unlimited. So if people are willing to sit down and have a courageous conversation, if they're willing to wear their hearts on their sleeve, if they're willing to be at all candid about what they need, what they, 
what they hope for, even what they fear. If they're willing to be just a little bit vulnerable with each other, and if we all approach that so we're not just there to say what we're fearful of, but we're also open to understanding someone else's mm -hmm. perspective, there is truly nothing that we can't accomplish. And this is true in city government uh, and town government. This is true in uh, businesses. This is true in nonprofits. It works across the board. If it's human, it's mentionable. If it's mentionable, it's manageable. So we, we have to be willing to... to uh let our guard down and have these conversations to have uncomfortable conversations. If it, if it, but that sounds almost as, as ethereal as, you know, just, you know, we need to be polite with each other. Right. Right. My, my observation mm -hmm. is oftentimes this needs to be facilitated. Gotcha. This needs to be someone who is able to come in and promise all the different perspectives are going to be heard, yep. that there's going to be a structure that allows for patience and allows for engagement and allows accountability to make sure that when someone comes in with their perspective, that even if they are drowned out by everyone else, that it's not going to be lost. Right. Yeah. I, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I think that's what, as I mentioned, what uh, our field service managers do. I think they do a lot of that uh, with our with our cities and towns across the state when they're facilitating uh, their their work with them. So they uh, usually have big pull sheets and go around the room, get everything written down. It's, yeah, it's yeah. very participatory. Everybody's heard just just as 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 you're saying. So I'm glad to hear that. Sounds like we're we're doing a little bit of something in that in that direction, which is good. I did a facilitation just last week where we were interviewing a representative of of a quote unquote underserved community. And at the end of the conversation, she says, let me tell you what it means to be underserved. She says, it's not that people don't know that we're here. They not that they don't know that we're underserved. It's that they come out, they study us. They ask us all kinds of questions. We never hear back from them. Oh, wow. We never know that anything is being done or could be done or there's no, there's no responsiveness afterwards. And that's the, that's the, that's damning. I mean, that's exactly what we need to do to respect someone is not just to listen to them, but to be accountable to moving the needle forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, uh, just coming in off the road, getting here in town. <laughs> First time he's been to Columbia, uh, Russell. So, uh, we're going to show him around town. I introduce him to, uh, mustard based barbecue. <laughs> oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, introduce him to that and several other, uh, South Carolina dishes. We're going to a local barbecue place for, for dinner tonight. So, uh, very excited about it. My sleeves are already rolled up. <laughs> yes. You'll, you'll, you'll need that. You'll need that. Uh, thank you again, Matt, for being here. We're My really pleasure. looking forward to your talk tomorrow. I hope that uh, you're, I know you're going to be well received. Uh, we're going to have a great crowd at uh, Hometown Legislative Action Day, and uh, we look forward to seeing everyone there uh, and uh, taking part in the conversation and the training that we'll be offering for uh, for cities and towns across the state. Absolutely. Uh, note to our listeners: we will have various sessions from HLAD recorded and listed in the podcast with everything else so yeah be sure to be sure to check that out and any final thoughts i don't have any thanks All for right. being here yes thank you glad to be here the city quick connect podcast is one of several ways the municipal association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting south carolina cities and towns learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.